0: Welcome to the Quilting Arts Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the world of contemporary art quilting. I'm Susan Brubaker-Knapp, and I'm here with my co-host and friend, Vivica Hanson-Denegri. Hey, Vivica.
1: Hi, Susan. How you doing? I'm good. It's good to talk to you again. It's great to talk to you, too. It's been about two weeks since our last conversation, I think. And we're going to be talking today about sketchbooks, right? Right, right. I think that, you know, it's one of those wonderful topics because so many of us who are art quilts also dabble in other things, whether it's painting, poetry, music, etc. But something that can really help us in our art is incorporating drawing and sketching because that sort of informs and influences what we do within our studio And we have a wonderful artist-in-residence guest that we're bringing in today. That's Jane LaFazio. Yay. And I took one of my first drawing, sketching classes online with Jane. I've taken my only drawing and sketching (laughs) class online with Jane. (laughs) Actually, I gave it to myself for Christmas um, this past year in 2019 Christmas. And I say I gave it to myself because I put it on my Christmas list. I sent the link to my husband, I reminded my husband that I paid for it. And then I gave him a little card to put in my Christmas stocking saying, sometimes you this have is to do I that. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. So and, you know, I, I sort of saw that as an investment in my creativity and an investment in mm-hmm. my artistry. Because as you know, like, I'm a professional that doesn't Really work in art quilts 100% of the time anymore. Um, I do, but I, I work in publishing. So for me to make that kind of an investment, it wasn't as much the money as it was the time, because art takes time and learning right. takes time. Yeah. And that discipline of keeping a sketchbook
0: and working in a sketchbook is something I still struggle with. And I think I took Jane's class partly to try to get into that, um, into the schedule, you know, into that practice. And I have to admit that I have fallen off the bandwagon many times since and gotten back on. And it's kind of a struggle for me because I'm so busy to make time for that every day. But um, I know that when I do it, it makes a huge difference in the kind of work I'm creating and the quality of the work I'm creating. And it's so valuable that I know I need to stick with it.
1: Right. Well, you actually encouraged me to do it. I think we were at a quilting arts TV taping and I was looking at a jacket that you had made and it was mm-hmm. actually, you didn't make the jacket. I think you bought the jean jacket yeah. at, at like good $3 at a thrift store. Wish I could find that thrift store, um, but the, so it was a normal jean jacket, but it was not normal at all. Can you explain and describe what that jacket is like? So I had done sketches of of sewing stuff like scissors
0: and thimbles and thread, and I took these drawings of of that I had made, and I enlarged them and I traced them onto a jean jacket and I stitched them with pearl cotton. And then I stitched around them with what I call chicken scratch embroidery. So the whole coat is just covered with stitches.
1: It is a fabulous, fabulous piece of art. And what I love about this, and we're going to have a picture on our show notes at quiltingdaily.com. But what I love about this is that it's a piece of art that you can take with you. And, you know, I think you were doing it on the plane on your way yeah. to Fulting Arts TV when I saw it for the first time. And it's a it's a piece of art that shows who you are and what's important to you. And you wear it, which is even more, you know, talk about wearing your art on your sleeve. You are literally right. wearing your art on your sleeve.
0: Yeah, people but, know I'm
1: an artist when I wear it. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, to me, I know that that you did some of these drawings partly uh, with Jane. And after seeing this, you really encouraged me that I had to take one of her classes. But to me, to see that was just so incredibly inspiring. And I'll bet people have stopped you and asked where you got it or if they could buy it. I mean, they do, imagine. yeah, all the time. And how yeah. long did it take you to make it? So, yeah. Yeah. So but you encouraged me actually because that that made me um, not only take the sketchbook class, but it also made me realize that I can take my art with me in places that I'm not necessarily comfortable doing that. And so I was going to a quilt show, and I got a tote bag at the quilt show, and I just went nuts embroidering it. And now I actually bring that I use it for knitting or you know for traveling and stuff like that. But when I bring it with me, it always is a showstopper that people just talk to me and have a conversation about it. So I just think that's a really, really fun thing.
0: Yeah. Well, my, you know, my sketchbook has opened doors like that started conversations too, because I take my sketchbook when I travel. So if I'm on the plane or, um, you know, sitting, waiting somewhere, I'm, I try to sketch and it's a great way to fill the time. I love working that way. But it never fails that somebody comes up and asks me, what are you doing? Can I see it? I know I spent two hours with a little girl on a plane years ago because she noticed what I was doing and she said, how are you doing that? What do you do? So I pulled some paper out and gave it to her and said, okay, let's sketch this Coke can that's sitting on our little tray tables in the plane. Um, but it's it's a fun way to start conversations about what it is to be an artist and how you look at things. Uh, so, so sketching... In a sketchbook, keeping a sketchbook serves many different purposes
1: in my life. Why when couldn't I'm doing you have it. sat next to me on a plane when I have four <laughs> little kids with me? I can only imagine I would have I loved to have had you
0: as my yeah, neighbor. Yeah, the mom owed me major babysitting money because she was yeah. she was so engaged, and I talked to the mother too, and I said, you know, she's really interested you should try to get her some lessons or see if her art teacher can give her some extra. Cause she was highly motivated. And that more than anything, I think point, you know, it's not just ability, it's how motivated you are to learn. Um, and, and keeping a sketchbook does that too, because I didn't think I was a good drawer before I started working in a sketchbook. Um, when I took Jane's class, I, I think my work was pretty primitive, but, It it takes off. The more you practice, the more you hone in on what your look is or your voice is, it becomes more and more meaningful to keep that
1: sketchbook. Exactly. That's something that all of us know, but it's it's a different thing to know it and to do it. So you said you haven't been sketching a whole lot lately. What have you been doing art-wise? Um, I'm working on this
0: piece called I'll Fly Away. I think I might have mentioned it last time. Um, it's based, it's about racial injustice and it features three large winged birds. Uh, so it's very um, simple and I'm almost done with all the stitching on it. Um, and I'm also reading a, um, a really interesting book by a fellow fiber artist. I found out about Barbara Brown Gathers. Um, she was a student of Hollis Chatelaine and Hollis, is my neighbor in the next town over and mentioned her to me. But she's written this really interesting book about two generations of African American women who are her grandmother and her great grandmother who were born in 1860 and 1890 So when slavery was still going on and then right afterward, and it's based in Virginia and North Carolina. So it's really interesting to me since I live in North Carolina. And she did this beautiful art quilt um, of Hattie, of her grandmother, too. So it's interesting kind of seeing those two parts of my life, the the art quilting come together with books
1: that I love. I love to read. I was an English major. So that's the other thing I've been working on. I'm thinking it's three parts that you enjoy because you also really enjoy genealogy. Oh and right. Watching right. someone else look back into their history and their family history. That's really mm-hmm. cool. So it's it's really fascinating. I think I think I'm gonna enjoy the read. That sounds great. I'm reading a business book and I hate business books.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Me too.
1: <laughs> but but this business book has so many um Things that I can apply to art that I just love it. It's called Deep Work by Cal Newport. And it is it's um it was around about three or four years ago. It was on the New York Times bestseller list and all that. And somehow I missed it. But it's really interesting. It's about it's about taking away distractions and doing things that are important to your work and finding time for it. It's about turning off all social media and just focusing on Doing the work, which is mm. really what we're talking about doing with Jane too, but I've I found it fascinating. It was actually um, suggested to me by a friend of mine who's a professor, and you know she's talked about the fact that she needs to do all of this um, publishing. She doesn't have time to do all the publishing because she has to do all the research, and then she doesn't have the same kind of. Um, same kind of time to do the work that she really really wants to do and so it's been very interesting to see her perspective of it with um with looking at it from an academic standpoint my perspective looking at it from art and knowing that i should also probably be applying this to my work at golden peak Mm. too so interesting you know it's fun to see how things go back and forth but um yeah, that's pretty cool. And, you know, in the last time that we talked, I think your daughter was moving out. Uh, I, my, both my
0: kids are out. And now I've got to move one of them across the state in a couple of weeks because she's getting settled in to go to culinary school. Um, so that's going to be fun. Moving in the time of COVID-19 is kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, anything in this time is sort of interesting. My son <laughs> actually graduated from high school. My youngest graduated the last day that we taped, and that was mm-hmm. for the episode that we did with Leslie Riley, which was very interesting. And it was it was probably the most memorable graduation I have ever seen because it, it started with the parade, which is sort of hard to imagine at this mm-hmm. time, that our entire town of like 20,000 people seemed to show up um, along the the uh, distance between where the kids started at their high school to our fairgrounds, where the actual socially distanced um, graduation was, and they made signs. All of the bus drivers were there, all of their teachers, and you know, it was just an amazing thing. So I'm, I'm actually feeling a little less sad, you know, that because yeah. we can find ways to celebrate and do really cool things. Yes, um, definitely even- different, special, and memorable. Good. Three good words. Three good words. So, um, you know, it's, it's just so great to talk to you about this, but I can't wait to bring Jane into our conversation. Why don't we take a real short break and then ask Jane to join us? Sounds great.
0: Are you interested in digging into a subject more deeply with your art, exploring the nuance of imagery, maybe even the everyday items in your home or garden, on a level of intimacy that you can gain only from knowing those items very well? Maybe it's time to get out your
1: pencils and pens and start drawing. Jane LaFazio is a prolific artist working in both paper and cloth, and sometimes even combining the two. She creates her own watercolor sketchbook to fill with illustrations of her daily life, and she also makes art quilts by designing them in her studio and hand-stitching in the evenings. Jane has been a full-time artist since 1998... And in that time, she's cultivated a wide range of skills as a painter, mixed media, quilt artist, and a teacher. She teaches her own drawing and watercolor workshops online, and she's led many, many retreats internationally. Her artwork has been featured in magazines and books like Quilting Arts, Cloth, Paper, Scissors, and more. She's had instructional videos and been on Quilting Arts TV numerous times. Welcome, Jane. We're so excited to have you on our podcast. Hey, Jane. Hey, you guys. I'm really happy to be here. I've read that you've
0: written that you really started drawing in 1992 after your husband had had a brain aneurysm, right? Can you tell me a little bit about that? You said art healed you.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, so I've always been creative, but I never thought I could draw or be You know, I never would call myself an artist. Mm -hmm. And after he was hurt, I was starting to lose the Jane, you know, caught up in caregiving and hospital and all of that. Um, So I took a Tuesday drawing class. And in that class, I could just be myself. I could just be Jane again and draw. And I realized that drawing is just, well, it's sitting still and focusing and really looking what you're drawing. And it just felt so good and I was amazed that I could do it. And it's just a matter of trying. So it, it helped me through it helps me through today. Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what amazes
1: me is that you say that you didn't think you were an artist. And I all I can think is, well, first of all, comparison is the thief of joy, right? <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt said that. And oh. Second of all, I have to remind myself that every time I look at either your drawings or Susan's drawings (laughs) or anyone else's drawings and I compare them to myself. Because, yeah, you know, how how is it that you felt you weren't an artist? You are an incredible artist and not only with drawing, but also with fiber. Well, thank you.
2: First of all, Um, you know, I it's that mental block. I don't know. I mean, I had a degree, I have a degree in graphic design. And even though I have a degree in graphic design, I still didn't think I was an artist. And I went into technical illustration and page layout and documentation. And hmm. because I just, but then I look back at my work in school, in my illustration class. And still, so, and it was really good. So why not? So I think that here's the trick. Get a business card that says artist. <laughs> that, was my t- that was my turning point. It was like, okay, I am an artist. This card says I am. Um, don't you find It just shows are... you the mental battle. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, don't you find that with your
0: students, for example, the intimidation yes. factor, and people oh, don't man. think that they can do it until they start learning how to do it. Somehow people think that art is like this gift, that it's not something that you have to practice.
1: Do you ho- know how right. many prodigies there are in the world? Like true prodigies, the the little kids that wake up and can either draw like Michelangelo or play the piano like you know, boat, Beethoven or something. There are like three. Yeah. And it's all about doing that work.
2: And it's true. People don't realize they can learn art they can learn to draw it's just like you learn to play the piano or you you know whatever so you can learn it um i think yeah and i definitely have students i had a student recently <laughs> online and she posted a picture of all her artwork on her desk and she said oh, everybody in this class is so much better than i am i'm not going to post i'm just so in over my head and i actually wrote her a private note which i never do and said Knock it off! <laughs> <I> said, <laughs> your work is totally par with everybody else. Be brave. Put on your big girl panties and get in that class. And she did, thankfully. And she's been posting, and and it was all her head talking. You know, she's really talented. So, so we all have it. Hopefully, it is, I mean, I'm there to encourage people to get over it.
1: It is funny how there's that that um, part of fear. In our in our lives, and it's it could be the fear of a blank page, which um, I think you have some tips probably of how to get over the fear of that blank page, but it's it's also the same thing you know when you're starting a quilt, or when you're thinking about inserting a full circle in a quilt, you know, there's fear, and fear is the Is something that we all need to just put behind ourselves because we're talking about drawing and stitching. We're not talking about standing on a precipice or, you know, diving or (laughs) something where there should be fear. You know, it's, it's definitely unknown, but we can get over this.
0: And that, that's what's so great about sketchbooks is that they should be that safe place where you can explore and experiment and fail and move on. Um, they, you don't even have to show them to, to anyone. You know, It's not like a finished masterpiece. And I think that's why it's so important to work in a sketchbook,
2: don't you, Jane? Oh, I do. And I frequently um, tell students, turn the page. That's yeah. all it is. It's paper. Just turn the page. And you know what Elizabeth Gilbert says about perfectionism? because that's an excuse a lot of people use it's perfectionism is fear in high heels. And I think that is such a great quote because, uh, and I think like starting a new page or starting an art quilt, some people think that what they visualize in their head is what they're going to see. And to me, that's not necessarily creativity creativity is letting it happen and evolve and problem solve as you're going along Hmm. and allowing yourself to experiment either on the page or on fabric. So let me ask you this. So how do you use a sketchbook to,
1: to first of all, birth an idea and second of all, move it from the page to a quilt? What's your way of doing it?
2: So I work in my sketchbook as a way to to illustrate my daily life and to cherish and really see those moments and things. Hmm. So what comes from that are often inspirations to carry it over to a quilt. Um, An example, a couple years ago I was in New York City and saw pokeberries for the very first time and I just thought they were so beautiful and I started drawing them and and then because my art quilting is like drawing in that when I do free motion stitching, I don't have anything drawn out. I just am looking at either my sketch or the actual thing, and I'm using my machine to draw. They're, they're really hand in hand. Um, so most of my art quilts are that kind of stitching vers- that's really drawing and a lot of surface design, which, of course, is painting.
1: So what's funny about that is now. Uh, so first of all, I think that particular art quilt that you made in response to the pokeberries was, was it on the cover of Quilting Arts? It magazine? was
2: my my <laughs> oh, good. I debut good on the cover of Quilting Arts. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But so two things, yeah.
1: two things about that. First of all, you also made stencils with Stencil Girl out yes. of the pokeberry. Yeah. I do remember that as well. But but third of all, I, I'm a big gardener. I think you know that. And um, my husband actually pulled down a whole lot of trees on the side of our house for some reason. I'm not sure why. And we have so many pokeberry plants growing. And I walk out there, Jane, and I think of you every single day.
2: Well, you know they—they're not in California, at least not at my elevation. So oh. I don't suppose you can send me a box, huh?
1: You wouldn't <laughs> I want, want them, too I
2: think <laughs> <laughs> there are so many, but it's the most. It is not only the
1: most prolific plant on my property; it is also the healthiest. And you know, the the stem of my tomatoes is thinner than a pencil, and the stem of the pokeberry plants is like, you know, it's like an axe. It's an axe handle. So you know. And they're, they're so no beautiful, of you every though, day. the
2: pinks and the greens and the, and the purples. They're gorgeous. I think but we it's need pur-
0: to send you some pokeberries because you could draw <laughs> with that ink. It would give you beautiful I, purple ink. That's right.
1: I but, bet. you know, the interesting thing about that is that um, you've taken something so ordinary, a total weed around here. It's, it's a weed. <laughs> I hated weed. But it's weed. A, beautiful a poisonous, weed.
2: hated weed. <laughs>
1: But you know, I don't hate it though. I when I see something ordinary like that with the colors that it has, because when when those pokeberries are ripe, they are almost um, they're almost deep deep wine red, and then the little stems that hold them on, almost like grapes, the stems are hot pink, and then of course they have these big green leaves. So you've got the whole complementary color thing going on, and they are gorgeous. They are beautiful. Yeah. So, but you've taken yeah. the ordinary and elevated it.
2: You know, I think, I think that's what I do a whole lot in my sketchbooks, um, especially ones that I work on at home. You know, it's different if you're in Paris and drawing the Eiffel Tower or something. But being home, I've been doing a sketchbook recently on succulents, and I recently mm-hmm. drew ice plant. Now, when is the last time you elevated ice plant to any kind of <laughs> art? Um, but... You know, I think it came out pretty good, and that's the thing: you you take ordinary things and and in my eyes, anyway, make them make them beautiful and important.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. I think as long as you're looking closely at anything, you see yes. the beauty. You see the little miracles that most people overlook because they don't look closely enough or spend the time. When you're drawing something, you're forced to spend time looking at it, and it makes absolutely. all the difference in the world.
2: Right? It does absolutely.
1: All right, let's just take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The funny thing is that when I took your class, Jane, I, first of all, I loved that class. That was so fun, and it was so worth being my big Christmas present. It was perfect. um, (laughs) Thank you. So when I took that class, I, I made myself sit down. It was a six-week class. I sat down every Saturday, and I sort of created this ritual that I would read the New York Times first and have my cup of coffee, but then don't talk to me because I'm going to be drawing all day long. But my favorite thing that I drew was something so ordinary, and it was the salt and pepper shakers. That I had these little glass salt salt and pepper shakers, and I it took me so long because I can't draw a straight line. And, you know, I'm so glad that you allowed us to use erasers. But <laughs> I finally got to the end of it. And it was just so fun that I drew five more salt and pepper shakers oh. doing it. And, but, but they haven't made their way into a quilt yet. But again, it was that ordinary something.
2: And the joy it brought you and that, that space in the right side of your brain to create, it all feeds on each other. Right. And
0: I find too that things in my sketchbooks that I did years and years ago, I am now coming back to. So it's like a great repository for storing your ideas or your, um, your thoughts about things, um, and you know you can re- reuse them.
2: I, um, um, this succulent sketchbook was actually started, I'll tell you the story. So I was preparing to teach a class And so I was drawing some succulents, and then I carved a stamp. And I was the class was a five day art quilt class. So I made an art quilt mostly greens with my stamp of my succulent, and that was like maybe three years ago. So during this time of um, being home, I was going through my unfinished quilts and and found it and thought, you know, it's small. It was maybe nine by twelve or maybe a little bigger. Thought, okay, well I'll finish it off and and put some backing on it and put it in my Etsy shop. And then I looked at it and I thought, "Well, no, it's, you know, it's it's not worthy of that." So I cut it up and made it I sewed it onto paper and made it the cover of my latest sketchbook. So now the the succulent that I did 4 years ago on a quilt is now inspiring my drawing in the sketchbook of all the succulents. So it kind of went, you know, opposite the full circle, however you want to say it. Different directions,
0: back and forth.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. thank you, Susan. Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> tell me a little bit about what do you when you're trying to convince people to keep a sketchbook. What do you tell them? What are the benefits that you have found to that daily practice of keeping a sketchbook?
2: Um, I think maybe number one, well, uh, it seek seeking beauty, trying to find beauty in your everyday life. So when I have a sketchbook. I will keep my eyes open looking around, okay, what am I going to draw next? What am I going to put in it? So first I seek out something I want to draw or something that's important to me or something um, that has come up that day. So taking that time in my studio, maybe an hour or so, or maybe a couple of hours and really sitting and looking and studying that beautiful thing. And then the process of, okay, do I want to, watercolor it? Do I want to add color pencil? Do I want to um, stencil over or under it? That whole process is so, um, it just feels so good. Uh, and so, I don't know, I, I just think that um, drawing and taking the time for yourself is just so important. And, it, and it's building a skill too, but that's the least of it. I think it's that expressing your creativity is the number one thing. Yeah. I also really like it that it kind of keeps
0: keeps my ideas and my work in one place. Like it yeah. keeps it organized, you know? Yeah.
2: So how many yeah.
0: sketchbooks have you filled up and do you have a big shelf full
2: of them? <laughs> um, a lot. <laughs> um, recently, I've been making my own sketchbooks and small. It's like maybe five by seven or so. Um, then for a while I was working on loose pages that I take it out of a sketchbook. So there's a stack of those in there. Um, yeah, I don't even know. You know, I know there's some artists that keep track of all that. I don't. They're all they're all stuffed in my studio. I think it's really fun to look at other people's sketchbooks
0: too. And I know yeah. that there's that um, the sketchbook project in Brooklyn. Do you know about that? Where they've kept forty one thousand different sketchbooks that people could contribute. It is yes. so cool. A lot of it's online now, and you can go and look through. You can search by like travel or you know Paris, like you said. And it is yeah. so fun and so inspiring to to see those. Have you browsed
2: in that archive? I haven't. I've heard of it, and people have encouraged me to participate. Um, but no, but you know that is part of the fun of teaching online or in a class is seeing other people's sketchbook that way. You know, yeah, it's uh, like I've you're looked- seeing
0: inside them. You're seeing their oh, brain and their heart. Yeah,
2: I've when they draw their shoes, you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Stand <laughs> oh, go in go my on shoes.
1: <laughs> oh, I was I just going to say, I've seen um, several. I've, I've definitely browsed several of those. And what's what's amazing to me is that there's so many different styles. And, mm. you know, obviously, Jane, you have a specific style. Susan, your style is beautiful, too. You're both pen and ink kind of people. Other people take a sketchbook and they collage it. And I think that's also a really wonderful and interesting way to... Keep a record of what you've done and keep a record of your day and especially love when people combine all sorts of different um, either media or techniques within a textbook, I mean a sketchbook page, which I think is yes. sort of cool too. Very, mm-hmm. very I agree more and more of that.
0: When you look at other people's sketchbooks too, it encourages you to break out of what you thought, what your preconceived ideas about what a sketchbook is and look at other ways. Like, like you said, I've seen ones with lots of paper collage or cut paper pieces. And you're like, oh, I should try that. So it encourages you to think outside.
2: Well, and I sew in my sketchbooks a lot, a Ah. whole lot, either with the machine or by hand. I've been doing the blanket stick around pages or sewing on other pieces of, you know, sewing on a collage, literally, because I love that texture. How do you
0: deal with the bulk that that creates? Are those loose pages? No, it, it doesn't create a lot of bulk. It's not an
2: huh. issue. Fun. I want to see. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but you've also done three-dimensional work with your sketchbooks too, which I find really interesting. There was the one that you did of Cuba uh, when you were there, as I remember. And I think we featured that in the magazine. I'll also put a picture of that on the show notes as well. But you had you had taken a, a sort of an accordion book and you did both sides of the page that could be displayed on a countertop. So it was it was. Oh, um, right. maybe 10 or 12 pages, but it seemed yes. so much bigger because it could be expanded and contracted and viewed from different angles, which I just thought was so amazing. It's really, really interesting. Yeah. And I believe you had a video that you put on your website about that.
2: I've done a number. Yeah. I've done a number of accordion books and that is the beauty of them, the way they can display and be seen. Um, I really enjoy that, too. Yeah. And that you can sew in the pages and then assemble them afterwards, you know, which is what I do with my handmade sketchbooks. Yeah. There's so many ways to make a sketch sketchbook. So many.
1: Can you give us a tip of, of what do you do to just get over that blank
2: page? Well, you know, one of the ways I start people out um, is with a pencil and an eraser. I mean, you have an eraser. What's a big deal? It's a piece of paper. Um, so drawing in pencil first is a really good way to just start. Um, also staining the page if you don't have pokeberry ink. <laughs> um, you can put a wash of watercolor or a stencil on it um, or even gluing on a bit of a textbook page or something. you know just a little bit of collage to start start the page off and then drawing on top of that. I also remind them that you collage is your friend. So if you screw up a drawing and you really hate it, collage over it. Do something else and glue on top of it. You know, you could, it's always fixable. I, I, that's what I'd say. I mean, s- just start. Those are great
1: because, you know, like that, it's that white page. It's the same thing when you're starting with a uh, surface design on a piece of fabric. Sometimes you have such a hard time thinking of that white um, PFD. And I know there are a lot of people who just, you know, just do something first and it almost doesn't matter what, but it, it's not white anymore and you can move on, so. Yeah,
2: and with watercolor, you know, you can, you can, um, well, or with, you know, you can write a message in water first and let it dry so you know there's something there beneath it.
1: That's a great idea, I've never thought of that.
0: I find it really helpful too, and I've told students about this, to um, set a timer. Set a timer for five or 10 minutes and then force yourself to work like uh, draw something that's right in front of you very quickly, because if you have to do it fast, then you have to get your rear end moving and it doesn't give Mm -hmm. you time to overthink. It doesn't give you time to plan. You just have to start. So that always helps me.
2: And I do an exercise with my students, continuous line drawing where you're, you're drawing with a pen and you're looking at the object and at your paper, but you can't lift up the pen. And some, so many people are terrified of it. Terrified. <laughs> and then when they do it, they're like, oh my God, that's really good. They, they It's an exercise where people learn to trust themselves. Just like it, that's drawing for five minutes, you're like, oh, I did a really good job. And that continuous line drawing is the same thing. That was my
1: salt and pepper shakers. I have to tell you, that was my <laughs> continuous yeah. line drawing from that episode. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy exercise, but it really works. But people are terrified. Oh my God. You know, it's so
1: funny that Uh, in almost every art technique, there is a, there is a series of prompts that you can use to get yourself going. And I know that, um, I hope I'm not giving away any secrets and you can tell me if I am, but so (laughs) continuous line drawing was one of them that you used. And one of them that um, you mentioned sort of briefly, but uh, that we did in this class was drawing your shoes. Yes. And I thought that was actually really, really interesting because your shoes actually tell you so much about yourself.
2: So true. And especially in an online class where I only know, you know, you only know so much about somebody. And then they draw this incredible pair of, you know, stiletto heels (laughs) or these these grungy old uh, garden boots. Yeah. It was fascinating. And it tells you so much about yourself or, you know, shows other people about yourself. And it's really personal. They're only mm-hmm. your shoes. Yeah.
1: And then I think uh, one of the last things that I, I really appreciated about taking a class with you is that you encourage people to show what you do. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so so many of us, like especially people like me, who's just a little bit shy about drawing. I really am very shy about my drawing because, you know, I am comparing myself to others, which is the bad thing. But it's very good to – put yourself out there and to allow for other people to give you a critique and to be thoughtful in how you critique others too. So that's something I really appreciated.
2: Well, what what I find, which is wonderful that my students online and, and in classes too, but online are so supportive and you as a student, you put your work out there and they have nothing but good things to say or good suggestions if they do. Nobody ever is mean ever ever ever
0: and students learn from each other too like i i love so true yeah you look at each other and you're like oh i love that style or i love how they shaded that or look at what dimension they got by adding this so you know in a class you know as a teacher you learn as much from your students and the students learn as much from each other if they're open and if they're willing to share they're helping their fellow students
2: and they also see that everybody approaches something differently. There's no right or wrong. Everybody's style is personal. And by looking at your work, we all they all have the same assignment, but they come out so different. I think that's a huge lesson. Yes. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you
1: so much, Jane, for being oh. part of this conversation. It's, you know, it's so fun not only to have our friends on, but to have someone who's so knowledgeable about more than um, quilting, but about what can influence our quilting as we're moving forward. So it's been really great. Mm. Thank you.
2: Oh, thank you guys so much. It was a joy to be with you. I really, really appreciate you asking me. Thank you.
0: We loved having you on. Thanks, Jane. And love you. Thank
2: you. <laughs> Mwah, back at you. <laughs> what a great
1: conversation. I'm so glad Jane could join us today. She's yeah, always great talking to her. And she
0: has such a depth of knowledge about ske- keeping a sketchbook, working in a sketchbook.
1: Yeah. And you know, it, it occurred to me um, as I was listening to the end of it, right before we went into seclusion for COVID, I was so lucky. I was able to go to an exhibit of sketchbooks, actually, by the artist um, Joseph Turner, who's the British artist who mostly did landscapes. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating to see how someone like that, that is just so incredibly well known. And, and influential in art well beyond um, well beyond drawing kept such detailed sketchbooks from the time that he was a, actually quite a young boy huh. and they, they actually all became part of his um, his own personal collection and when he died they went to the um, I believe it was the Tate Museum uh, got all of his personal paintings and personal sketchbooks. And uh, they were only in one place in the United States, and that was in Mystic, Connecticut. If you huh. can believe it, which was so close to me, so I was able to go see them and spend a few hours just looking at sketchbooks. But, but um, you know, how does this relate to art quilting? It's because he did the same kind of thing. He went somewhere. He took a sketchbook everywhere. He drew. And then he applied it to his main art. And Mm -hmm. I just think that is absolutely fantastic to see that kind of thing.
0: Well, you know, I think sketchbooks are where you do the heavy work, where you think about the ideas behind what you want to make or the emotions, and you process it and you work it through, then you can move into your medium and you've done all of that heavy lifting before you get to that point. So that's why I, I think working a sketchbook is so, it can be so powerful.
1: Right. Because it's not really the final product. It could be the final product, but it's it's um, part of that roadmap that gets you there. So very cool. Right.
0: So there's a quote that I love that kind of falls into that. Um, one of my favorite writers is Henry David Thoreau. And he said, do what you love, know your own bone, gnaw at it, bury it, unearth it, and not it still. So he's talking about, I mean, it makes it sound like it's a dog, but if you're an artist with an idea that you want to to, you know, put into your work, you have to know your own bone, right? You have to really explore the idea, um, explore both the techniques and the materials and the concepts, and keep gnawing at it until you get down to the marrow, you know, the, the deep meaning of it. Um, and keep coming back to it if you need to to
1: gnaw on it a little bit more that's what I love about Susan you not only have great quotes but you really know how to explain them well thank you thank you it's been great talking to you you too and don't forget to make time for contemporary quilting every day Thanks for listening. And remember, there's lots more information about the things we discussed in this episode from photos of Jane's works, links to the Quilting Arts TV show she's appeared on, and some of the journal pages that both Vivica and Susan created while taking her class. Just follow the link in the description on our website, quiltingdaily.com. If you want to hear future episodes as soon as they come out, please subscribe. Just search for Quilting Arts Podcast in whatever app you use, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And when you do, please leave a rating and a review. The Quilting Arts Podcast is produced by Golden Peak Media. It's hosted by me, Vivica Hanson-Denegri, and my buddy, Susan Brubaker-Knapp. This episode was recorded by Matthew Talismore and edited by Chad Franzen. Sarah Erickson is our web producer and our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.